Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided. This episode of Undivided is brought to you by our sponsor, Audible.com. That's Audible.com for all your spoken audio audiobooks, online periodicals. It's the home of everything spoken audio. That's audible.com, our sponsor here on the Life Coach Radio Network. And welcome to Undivided, episode number 23, Love Yourself. We are live here at 7 p.m. on June the 6th, the year 2018. And I know it's been a few weeks since I've been with you all. And I hope that the three weeks that we've been uh, since our last episode uh, with Maggie Stearns has been good to you and that you had a restful Memorial Day holiday weekend while also keeping in mind the sacrifice of our brave men and women as we sit here on June the 6th. It conjures up the 74 years since those men, those brave men and women in the D-Day invasion liberated France. And that was 74 years ago today. So we honor all our servicemen and women who gave their lives for the freedom of this country, the freedom of Europe from tyranny. So it's a good backdrop to a show on loving yourself on self-love. What is self-love? And we're going to talk about that tonight with my special guest, Amy Phillips. Eric Fromm, a psychologist, said that love of yourself enables you, you have to do that before you can love others. Self-love is defined by the dictionary as regard for one's own well-being and happiness, and in parentheses says considered a desirable trait versus a narcissistic trait. We're going to discuss that tonight as well. Self-love in our society is viewed in extremes. Either it's too easily discarded by society or it's viewed as vanity or selfishness by others. We're going to discuss that with Amy tonight. What's, what's the difference? How, how do we bridge that, that, that gap, excuse me, in those extremes? Self-love is crucial to living a fulfilled, positive, and productive life. This is according to the American Association for Suicidology that low self-esteem often leads to suicidal ideation. And one can't help but think of the tragic death of Kate Spade yesterday, and that is also a backdrop to this show. Loving yourself will increase your self-esteem. Treating yourself with kindness and compassion, according to psychology today, will decrease anxiety and depression will create more optimism, will lead to better recovery from stressful situations, which we all have multiple times a day, and better adherence to diet and fitness goals. So treating yourself well, treating yourself with kindness and compassion is a very positive thing. 
And we're going to build on that positivity tonight when I get Amy up in a minute here. I'm very blessed that she's on our show. Self-love is often confused with self-care. Remember, we did a a show on self-care with my sister, who's also a life coach, who guest starred and guest appeared that night and spoke about self-care. Well, self-love is very different from self-care. It's very different from treating yourself to a state dinner uh, after you had a bad week or something, which is a good thing to do. But it's a deeper self-forgiveness of the wounds that we carry. And we're going to discuss that tonight. If you remember back on the show I did with Marla Goldberg, we talked about the holes in our heart. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight again and what addiction can do to people in a society that is stripped of compassion. My special guest tonight, again, is Amy Phillips. Amy's going to lend her expertise to this dialogue for all of you, our listeners out there. Amy is the founder and creator of Love Myself Revolution, LLC. The mission of LMR is to empower women to live their most authentic, wholehearted lives. Amy is a certified professional life coach, Reiki practitioner, and is currently working toward earning her certification in meditation teaching. Amy received a BA in both communication and psychology from Rutgers University here in New Jersey. She lives in New Jersey with her husband, her two daughters, and her cat. She enjoys traveling, country music, the Yankees, and reading. It's so uh, I've had some people from other parts of the country on recently, and for that I'm grateful, but it's always great to have a fellow New Jersey and on, so I'm happy to get her up. And before I do the disclaimer for the show, because I forgot last time until we had 10 minutes left, the views of this program, episode 23 of Undivided, may not necessarily be the views of the host, in this case myself, Frank Maduri, my guest, in this case Amy Phillips, or the Life Coach Radio Network. And with that, Amy, welcome to Undivided. Hi, Frank. How are you? Excellent. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. I'm excited to be here and joining you tonight. I'm excited to have you. It's been so wonderful talking to you leading up to tonight. Uh, you've got so much expertise to lend to this very important topic. And I'm really blessed that you're able to come on. And like I said, I'm, it's always great to talk to somebody uh, from good old New Jersey. So um, <laughs> can you hear me okay? I can hear you great. Excellent. All right. So that's always a good thing to get out of the way. So as I said in the open, you know, we're going to tackle this divide that society feels and, and, and even a misunderstanding of what self-love could be. A lot of people do confuse it with self-care or uh, some other things that are out there, and other people think, oh, well, that could be selfishness or something like that. So we're going to get into it tonight. I'm going to also monitor the undivided show at gmail.com mailbag. If anyone has any questions or comments for Amy or myself, I will check that, as always, periodically throughout the show. So Western society in particular, as I was saying before, views self-love in extremes. Either people view it as self-absorbed narcissism, or people dismiss it as an afterthought that they should do for others ahead of themselves. And other people feel like they just don't have time for it. What's the balance between, and where's the balance between all those views? So I think you touched upon something very important in in your introduction when you talked about self-care. And you're absolutely right. When people hear the term self-love, there is 
a uh, largely an, a misunderstanding about what that term actually means and how self-love can lead to happiness. Because many people, when they hear the term self-love, they think of selfishness. They think, um, like you said, of narcissism, maybe egoism. Um, on the other extreme, they think of being completely selfless and and serving others. Um, and then, as you mentioned in your intro, they also think about self-care. But self-love, while it includes a component of each of those things, um, not necessarily narcissism, but certainly self-care or service to others, self-love is very much a um, an 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 unacceptable, an unconditional acceptance of ourselves. There is a um, Buddhist practice called Maitri, that, and that's Maitri is a Sanskrit word that is translated as an unconditional friendship with oneself, and that's really what the notion of self-love is really about. It's about being able to sit with oneself and be comfortable with oneself, no matter what arises. So whether there is there are great things going on in your, in your life or if you're going through a down period in life, being able to sit with yourself comfortably and accept yourself during those times. And so that's really the opposite of narcissism because narcissism is really this inflated sense of self. Um, and it really isn't about self-care because somebody who takes care of themselves a lot, who might, you know, go to the gym and work out or might get their nails done or, or might, you know, take weekends to go on a golf trip or, or whatnot, there, it really is, is the intention behind the self-care that can determine whether or not somebody is actually being loving towards oneself because we can indulge in a self-care practice, but it could be for the wrong reasons. It could be because we're trying to impress somebody else or, you know, we're trying to seek the approval of others. So it's really um, not – it really is about the energy behind the love that we're giving ourselves and the care that we're showing to ourselves. That's a – you know, you made two important points in that response, and I thank you for it. One is that I actually made a valid point during my intro. That doesn't always happen <laughs> on every show. <laughs> Enter self-deprecating humor. And uh, the, the second part of that, too, is that I didn't even really connect it until you mentioned it. I was actually able to do that today for a little while for the first time in a really long time. So here I thought, well, I usually have two weeks in between shows. I have three weeks in between shows because of the way the calendar went. And I feel like it went like a blink of an eye, like Maggie and I were just on, you know, two nights ago. And I've been working a lot. I've picked up some extra hours and I've been doing things right from when I get out. I've been doing other work. And so everything's just been so up in the air. And I felt like today was like the first time I've been able to do that like a month was actually sitting with my thoughts. It was, it was really nice actually. So it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, and that differentiation, you know, our societal view of, of self-love very often gets confused with self-care, uh, as I said in, in the intro. And the differences, as we've discussed, but I want to discuss with our listeners, run much deeper than the common perception. Um, how would you define self-love to your experience in this area? So self-love really is the ability to sit with yourself in non-judgment. Um, it's the ability to 
love whatever arises and to um, really not attach yourself to an, an, to an outcome in a way that creates suffering for yourself. Um, it's really the intention to create your own happiness in your life and to be aware, to have conscious awareness of the fact that we are able to um, create our life. We don't need to be a victim to life circumstances. We can be the architects of our, of our own lives. And that's a very empowering feeling. And you, um, in, in your previous question, you had you know, said in, in Western society there is this view, and it's what's really happening in, this, in Western society is that we, we view life kind of through this like, linear thinking where we think like if we do A and B, then we'll get C and D, and that equals happiness. Like We think that we've figured out the formula to happiness, and it looks like a checklist. And if we check off those boxes, then hooray, I've, I've reached the ultimate happiness. And what largely happens for many people is they check off the boxes. They might say, okay, you know, I need to go to college, get a degree, get a job, meet somebody, fall in love, get married, have kids, buy a house, get a dog. And once they check all of those things off, they might realize, I'm not really feeling fulfilled in this life. I did all of the things that I was supposed to do, that I should do, and I haven't arrived at this, this point of happiness or freedom or um, feeling that I'm, I'm comfortable in my own mind and body. And it's often because we have lived up to expectations that have been placed on us by society, by our loved ones, by our parents, by our community, by our teachers. Um, and that is a challenge that, that we're faced with, this, this notion of, linear thinking, linear um, life stages, which really is just not the way life works, right? Like, you know, life is cyclical. There are ups and there are downs. There are, life is largely unpredictable, and we have this linear thinking as a way to try to have some sort of control, or the illusion of control, at least. Exactly. That concept of surrender is... Um... Uh, one that has a very negative connotation to it in society and is very difficult for us to do. We talk about the concept of of surrender in, in Catholicism and giving yourself to Christ, giving yourself to the Lord of your life and letting him take over. And for some people even that are very uh, faith-driven and very connected to that, it's it's really hard to do because you you're constantly feel like you're, you're playing tug-of-war with your, your internal... You know, I want to avoid situations or I want to avoid pain or I want to avoid situations that might harm me, of course, because it's like a built-in human instinct. And we're constantly going back and forth at that. And then we have people that, you know, that I know have checked off all those boxes. And in my mind, I thought they were happy, and then I realized that they were not. Um, I know some other people that are trying to climb that ladder, so to speak, now. And they think, oh, well, you know, when I get my master's degree, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to have this incredible, you know, career and I'm going to make so much money and I'm going to be happy and I'm going to make it because that's what like my parents want me to do to your point. And I'm giving them pause saying, you've got to follow, you know, your heart sometimes too. If you're called to do something else, you know, uh, don't change majors because you think your parents want you to be in business or finance, you know, 
go with maybe what your original instinct is. So that's something we're going to continue to drill down. We're at 7.15 already. It goes by fast. And our 15-minute break here to do some promotion. Upcoming shows is Undivided Episode 23. We'll be back in a moment. Upcoming show here on the networks of Life Coach Radio Network. Enjoying Life on Purpose. Kimberly Frazier's show Thursday, June the 7th. That's tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Enjoying Life on Purpose. It's a, it's a great series. Excuse me. Uh, Kimberly Frazier is the host. Thursday, June the 7th at 7 p.m. Eastern. That's on the Life Coach chat channel. So head over there to check that out. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, 800 919-9338-www.salvationarmyus.org that's www.salvationarmyus.org enter your local zip code to donate in your local area or as I said the last time my friend gave me that idea enter your state's information find the poorest zip codes and donate to them what an idea that is we're back here on Undivided I'm your host Frank Chamiduri Along with me here on episode 23, believe it or not, love yourself, is Amy Phillips. So we're back, Amy, and we're going to dive right back in here to this whole concept of self-love. Many people are going through the motions, quote-unquote, living lives of I've talked about on this show many times, lives of quiet desperation, as the author Matthew Kelly would say. That could be due to old wounds, imperfections, or some other limiting belief, which is given to them from a young age. How do we break this cycle and allow ourselves to become more vulnerable and compassionate? That is the million-dollar question, right? (laughs) How do we... Not to put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) How do we develop a practice of self-love, and how do we accept ourselves for who we are? Um, That's really probably a question that everybody struggles with. Um, You know, you brought up Kate Spade in your opening segment. And as we were discussing, you know, often we, we look at people and we think, okay, well, they've arrived at life and they've checked all the boxes off their list and they have everything in their life looks from the outside, like everything is perfect. And, a, a, you know, a, a human being like Kate Spade is somebody who we can look at and, and see a, a dynamic woman who created this amazing business and she was extremely creative and we were all shocked and, and just heartbroken yesterday to, to hear that this is a woman who had, who didn't have inner peace, even though she had outer success. And it's really something that is hard to wrap our heads around when we see somebody that we admire, that we think, gosh, you know, she, she has it all, to know that somebody could really not have that inner peace. Is, um, is something that's, that's hard, you know, as, em- as empathetic human beings, we can have empathy for her, for her family, and it's scary too, because we have all struggled. Um, life, life can be hard sometimes, you know. There are, there are a lot of responsibilities, a lot of demands, a lot of obligations, and a lot of expectations. And often it is those expectations and those attachments 
to outcomes and wanting to control and wanting to appear to others that we have it all together that puts this that that creates this disconnect for us where we feel like this outer persona is not in alignment with what's going on inside of us what's going on in our heads like that constant you know mental continuum that is going on or what's going on in our hearts where we're where we're struggling between you know uh, that we're unhappy in, in some aspect of our lives and and we're ashamed of that and Brene Brown um, she is a research professor at the University of Houston who has written several books on the topic of vulnerability and shame and authenticity. And she, you know, she, she talks about how showing up authentically and being vulnerable and allowing ourselves to kind of lean into our discomfort rather than run from it is the way to open our hearts to actually be more loving to ourselves, which is very counterintuitive for us, especially in this culture, because everywhere you turn, there is a solution for pain, right? There is, you know, take this pill and lose weight. Um, you know, you can get a drink and take, have a drink and take the edge off. You can hear some credit cards that you can max out and go shopping so that you can take the edge off of whatever it is that is causing you pain or discomfort or to suffer in some way. And Brene Brown in one of her books says that we are the most addicted, obese. Um, she, she lists these, um, you know, these addictions that we have and how they manifest in, in U.S. adults, that we are, you know, we are the, the unhealthiest, the most dis- diseased, the most in debt of any adult cohort in U.S. history because of this tendency to hide from pain, to hide from shame, to run from it, and to try to numb it instead of facing it and owning it and saying, this is, this is what I'm feeling, and being honest with ourselves about how we're feeling, and then having the courage to be honest with others about how we're feeling. You know, I'll, 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 you look at how... You know, Lewis Howes is somebody, he was just named one of the most influential people in, in health and wellness by People magazine, and he talks about this notion of toxic, toxic masculinity, how in order to be a real man, you need to, you, you know, you don't express your feelings because expressing your feelings is a sign of weakness. Or for women, when women express their feelings, they're, they're being seen as being t- too emotional or, you know, you're acting weird, don't be crazy. Because the expression of emotion is very uncomfortable for people. And that is where we have trouble loving ourselves because we don't want to own the uncomfortable emotions. We don't. There's such a stigma around them. You know, um, when I had Nick Perez on, Nicholas Perez came on on the uh, mental illness show, the stigma of mental illness was the title of the episode. And he has a whole other... um, uh, sub like a minor almost, but this would be he's getting his doctorate, so he's got a, a sub study essentially in uh, Latino uh, and studying Latino males with mental uh, uh, mental illness because they can't admit that they're having a problem because of the machismo and that whole thing, and that's true what you're saying about toxic masculinity. 
you know, we had a whole conversation about that, about, you know, and it's, it's both men and women too. I, I know women that are not honest with themselves and you ask them how they're doing and they're, oh, I'm fine. You know, it's like the default response. And, and you know that they're not, you know, that there's by their body language, by their affect, by their intonation and their voice, by even how they're just carrying themselves, that they're not, that something's you know, weighing on them. And, and I've seen that, you know, in different situations with, you know, coworkers or friends. And it's really sad. It's almost like, you know, you, you, you could come to me if there's something that's, that's really bothering you. Uh, that's why I, you know, we talk about Kate Spade. I want to connect people to some kind of life purpose and some kind of spiritual connection. That's a goal of what I try and do in coaching. Um, so they have a feel like they have a purpose to their life. And if they have some kind of spiritual connection in their life, like when Paul Garwood was on in the, in the suicide epidemic show, you know, I said, if, if, if people like in this case, if Kate Spade knew God as Abba's daddy, if she had that kind of love and peace, that would never happen. People would, would never commit suicide. So it's an, it's an interesting, you know, sidebar to what you had said. Because it's true, we have these defense mechanisms that we put up, which is a good segue, you know, to our next question, uh, to guard ourselves against the interpretations that we've made, both about ourselves and our surroundings. You know, we neglect ourselves, we bury feelings so much of the time. Uh, society, I think, also fails to understand that this neglect causes a disconnect between ourselves and other people. How can that be navigated? Really, the the key word is compassion. Um, the ability to nurture compassion for others and hold space for them when they are going through tough times, when they are experiencing shame or guilt or anger or jealousy or resentment or embarrassment or disappointment or insecurity, to be able to show up for that person and listen to them with empathy because um, shame cannot survive that. Shame cannot survive being heard and being empathized with and being loved. And so when we can develop a practice of compassion towards others, it allows us to develop a sense of compassion for ourselves as well. Um, and you, um, in in Buddhism, that is a the heart of it it's 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 how to how to be happy and how to to develop this sense of compassion for for others that it's it's essentially the root of of the teachings of buddha and you know relinquishing fear which are you know acknowledging that the fear that we have in our lives they're narratives that we made up based on our life experiences and we need to relinquish these stories of how we think things should be these stories of how we are not good enough, you know, inherently not good enough because of something that happened, you know, a wound that we, that we suffered in mostly in childhood, you know, we're, when we're born, when we come into this world, we are just bundles of light and love. And when you look at a child, you know, we talk about like the wonder years, these children, when they look at everything with awe and wonder and, are able to just be completely loving. At some point in our lives, we learned fear as an alternative to love. 
And it could be something as benign as the fear of, you know, falling down the stairs. Our, our, so our parents are, are you know, st- they are startled when they see us climbing and they yell and they say, no, don't do that. You're going to fall and get hurt. And we register their displeasure and that causes a wound. Or it could be something more significant like not fitting in when you're a child. You know, maybe you weren't good at sports and you're ridiculed for that. That's a wound that you sustained where you heard a message that you weren't good enough to be accepted by others. And so, you know, there's this whole notion of fitting in versus belonging. You know, when you feel like you don't fit in, then you don't feel like you belong. And that happens, that can happen and mostly happens at a very young age. And that will color our thinking and our perception of ourselves for our entire lives, especially if we continue to encounter experiences that trigger that wound. Absolutely. It's just going to be like a a repeating cycle. Uh, We mentioned before that our society here in America is pain averse. I've I've talked about it before. We have Mm -hmm. this view of pain and suffering and we live in a culture, as we, as you mentioned before, that teaches us to run from that pain, whether it's with alcohol, drugs, medications. It seems like we have a pill for everything. It's like the old Chris Rock skit. You know, you're up late at night. Does your feet hurt? Take a pill. Do your eyes hurt? Take a pill. Are you tired? How do we change the societal perception of pain and suffering so it's better understood as a part of life and a part of that journey towards forgiveness and healing of oneself? Ultimately, again, it it comes back to compassion and it comes back to the courage to say, this is how I feel and how I feel doesn't define who I am. Um, You know, there is, there is a lot of coping that goes on and it, and it's not just in the terms in, in terms of addiction, but it's in terms of trying to please other people, trying, trying to avoid other people, trying to control situations, trying to provide distractions for ourselves. And all of those are ways to, not face the things that we we feel uncomfortable with about ourselves and and ultimately the you know showing up for ourselves in an authentic loving way begins with the decision to do so it begin it's it's the courage to to say you know this happened and i'm owning that this happened but i'm also aware that my self-worth is not defined by what happened. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. It starts with that. And, you know, my experience and the experience of people around me, um, you know, isolation and desolation really contribute to that pain and suffering. Uh, Compassion and connection are really the way forward, the way out of that. The more compassionate we are with ourselves the better connected we're going to be with others, the better those connections are going to resonate with other people. You know, I've been in the hole, you know, I can help you find your way out sort of thing. Uh, the better connected and that's, you're that's going to be. Absolutely. The, the that's, that's such an important point right there is connection, true, loving, accepting connection with somebody who can provide empathy instead of judgment is so important. Um, and it to be is. able to provide that our, to ourselves is, is very important. Um, but often it does take the, um, the influence of somebody who is 
unconditionally loving to us for us to kind of be able to exhale and allow ourselves to ease into that pain versus just hold it in, you know, clench and say, I'm, you know, I'm not going to let anybody know that I'm hurting. I don't want anyone to know that this is, you know, that things are not perfect. We hide behind the illusion of whatever it is, however it is that society wants to show up. But, but the really, you know, connect, connection is so important because what that does, it, it allows us to realize that we are not alone. We are all connected, and that is what empathy does. It allows us to see that although, you know, my story and your story might be different, at the end of the day, we both want to be happy. We both have some fears that we struggle with. And when we realize that we are not alone in the pain that we have, it makes us feel less isolated. It does. That's the uh, encapsulation of this show, and and that was really well said. And we're going to transition that. We're we're live here on Undivided, episode number 23. Amy Phillips with me. She's been wonderful, great guest, really, really intelligent, really awesome points that have been made here and lending expertise in an area where uh, I really needed some help because I really want to tackle this, and she was willing to go to this place with me. We're at 732. Uh, we are live here in New Jersey, Life Coach Radio Network, and we're at our midpoint of our show break, so Amy can take a, a breather, get some water, and we're going to do an upcoming show promotion. Paul Garwood, Push Through, Paul Garwood's series, Push Through, Sunday, June 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. That's Paul Garwood. The series is Push Through. Paul has people on that are struggling with either mental illness, anxiety disorders, emotional distress or something along those lines, and there are stories about how they pushed through, hence the title of the show, and persevered. If you remember, Paul was a guest on this show uh, a couple of months back and did a great show on the suicide epidemic. So that show will air Sunday night, June 10th, 8 p.m. Eastern, over on the Life Coach chat channel, www.samaritanspurse.org. And a spot that I do every week, as you all know, and it takes on such an incredible importance in light of yesterday's tragic events with Kate Spade, as we mentioned earlier, and in the tragedies that take place every few seconds here with someone taking their own life. It's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. If you or someone that you know, someone that you love, someone that you work with, someone that you've talked to recently that you haven't talked to in a while, maybe an old college buddy or something, someone that you know that just has got something stuck in their mind or seems off or seems upset, please encourage them to call. Please encourage them to get help. 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. 800-273-8255. You matter. Every life is important. So please call. Every life is created by God for a purpose. Please, if you have something that is bothering you, if you have something that you just can't get your mind off and you're thinking about doing something to yourself, please call the number 800-273-8255, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And we're back here on Undivided Episode number 23, Love Yourself. What a great segue. We're going to open the phone line, 646-716-9397. 
646-716-9397 to call in with a question or comment for either Amy or myself or about the show or the topic in general. Audible.com is our sponsor. Undivided Show at UndividedSHOW at gmail.com. If you'd rather email a question due to the sensitivity of the topic, I can understand that. And I continue to check the emails as we go along. So, Amy, uh, thanks for staying with me. We're bridging into the next segment here on the show. So we've tackled the divide in our first few questions. We had our break, and now we go to bridging the divide. And I'll let you know if we get a call. We'll get a callers up and that sort of thing. Um, So when we talk about bridging the divide, it's always a very big question on the program. And tonight is no different. It's a two-part question. How do we bridge the divide between people who have a view that self-love is, quote-unquote, unrealistic, and those who have a misplaced view of self-love, i.e. narcissism, and find a place of balance as well as self-acceptance? And then the second part of the question is, how do we heal the divides caused between us and others to a place where we are all better connected? So let's take the first part and then the second. So I think the important thing is that we have compassion for people and acceptance and understanding of people, no matter what their viewpoint of self-love is. Um, because a big part of, of self-love and, and the main component of self-love is compassion. And the opposite, the opposite of compassion is judgment. So we, we really want to not be judging others. We want to be holding space for others and allow them to be heard and then really try to determine what the most loving response is because when we are responding to somebody in anger, it is because we are feeling judged and we want to be able to hold space for them so that then we can express a loving response to others who might have a varying um, you know, a differing opinion from us on what self-love is and, and on something that's selfish. And, you know, we, we need to show up to every encounter knowing that we are not the other person. So, and we can't know what experiences they are bringing to a conversation, to a situation um, that may have colored their view of self-love or their view of anything, really, um, you know, when we assume that people are lashing out or are disagreeing with us and being judgmental, you know, our our, our instinct, our you know, our ego instinct. And, and when I say ego, I don't mean it as a narcissistic tendency. I mean it as our fear-based thinking, you know, the part of us that does develop this, this fear-based narrative about, about not being good enough, that, that can kick in. And at, when our fear is triggered, then we are not, you know, and this is kind of segueing into the second part of your question, is when we are responding to somebody's fear with our own fear, then we are driving disconnection. But if we can address somebody and allow somebody to be heard and then provide a loving response that it is not defensive, that is not judgmental, then we are opening space between us to drive connection to allow each other to be heard and understood, which for many people, this, this sense of, of being heard is equal to that of, of being loved. 
That's true. So many people say, and that was a wonderful answer, and you segue it really well. It's like you're a pro at this. Uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you should be doing a podcast. Um, <laughs> but it's true, you know, when people feel heard, you know, I, I'll talk to people in a variety of different contexts throughout my day. And, you know, it could be somebody that I supervise at a job or it could be somebody that's a colleague or a coworker at that same job or it could be my supervisor or somebody else. When they feel like they're heard, you know, I had an interaction with a colleague the other day who sends out a report every week. And I read all this stuff because it gets emailed. And I get a lot of reports and I look at it and I read this report and I took like three or four things from the report and I asked the people that uh, work with me on my team to do some of the work. You know, so I delegated some of it. And he went around and said, wow, I can't believe this got done. I said, well, I read your report. He said, no one reads my reports. So now, you know, that happened to, you know, a couple months ago. And the time since, I found this different respect that he has for me. Like, he'll come around. He'll, he'll be really engaged with me because he felt like he was heard. You know, he said, you know, you actually read my reports and, and do something with them. And that you could tell really resonated with him. Like here he puts out this report every week and he feels like, you know, people are just mailing in it, you know? Yeah. So it's very important to people, right? And to hear them, to hear their story, to, you know, it's, it's very much acknowledge and validate, you know, from coaching. Absolutely. And, and you know, the, the important thing right? about somebody feeling heard and a big word that we hear in, in self-love conversations is the feeling of, you know, the fear of rejection. And it, we feel it is hard for us to love ourselves if we feel that somebody is rejecting us. And what happens when we feel judged and we feel rejected, and if we take that personally, then we reject ourselves. We are, we're taking somebody else's behavior towards us as our truth. And it's not our truth. It is, it is a, a behavior that is reflective of something that is going with on, on within the other person. So if we can have that awareness that another person's behavior is a reflection of their own wound, their own fear, then we will not self-reject often though and that's really hard particularly in loving relationships you know where where we're where we're feeling hurt by somebody when we're not feeling heard when we're feeling rejected by somebody it is very easy for us to sink into this you know this kind of victim mentality where you know what's wrong with me why won't they talk to me why why are they not opening up to me am i not good enough um it's so easy to fall into that self-rejection and you know in in the book the mastery of love by don miguel ruiz he says we've mastered fear we have mastered self-rejection we have mastered judgment what we have not mastered is self-love and um when when we think of this notion of fear and and i want to clarify this because this is a very important thing for for listeners to understand is that when i'm talking about fear i'm not talking about things necessarily just things that we're scared of I am talking about things that indicate the absence of love. And so fear-based thinking would be, um, you know, judgment, anger, guilt, resentment, all of those things that I named before. And when we have fear, 
that leads to judgment. It leads to judgment of others. It leads to judgment of ourselves. And when we judge ourselves, we carry blame and we carry guilt and we feel that we are deserving of punishment and deprivation. And we continue this narrative, this like self-sabotaging narrative that we are not good enough. And that is something that can keep us stuck. And it can, it can be something as benign as thinking, you know, I'm, I hate this job, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just not good enough to get another job or the fear of, you know, the money, like, you know, if I leave, then, you know, what does success look like to me? And if success looks like a paycheck to me, then leaving this job that I hate might make it so that I'm not making as much money and so that I'm not as successful. You know, those are all fear-based thoughts that are coming from this, you know, from our lens of, of experience that really just indicate an absence of love. And in A Course in Miracles, which is a, a spiritual metaphysical text, they, they say that, that everything, every action, every behavior is either an expression of love or a call for love. Wow, that's really interesting. That's uh, that's re- that's a really um, that cuts to the heart of the issue. I think all those things do, and it's true. You know, you it, I call it to put myself out there. If I put myself out there to somebody that I care about or I'm bought into, and I feel like I'm not getting the same response, that's going to go very badly for me. You know, uh, my wife always says you got to be mindful and not make other people's issues your own. And it's true. And it's easier, I think, to do that with people that we're not as bought into, that we don't care as much for. Uh, it can still get confusing if you have a deep love for somebody and you feel like you've been neg- neglected or ignored or that, you know, they're going along with their life and they really don't care about yours. So you start conjuring all those kind of narratives in your head. You know, at the end of the day, we need hope. You know, we need validation, as we discussed we need to be loved and to love. You know, we have all this uh, fear that generates that flight or fight response, which we've talked about on the show previously. And that's really an important defense mechanism when it's an emergency situation or uh, something that necessitates that. You know, if you feel like you're in imminent danger or physical harm or something like that, that's an important defense mechanism. But in everyday life, not so much. So it's an important distinction to make, you know, as we move forward. If you have something, I'll, I'll kick it back to you, and then we'll, we'll move forward. But, but, you know, I think this is a, a, a really hitting at the heart of, of this whole topic. Well, I, I think that um, absolutely, you know, this, this fight or flight, this is a, a biological response to stress. And the point of this was, you know, if, you know, thousands of years ago, if we were uh, encountered a bear in the woods, then our, you know, our fight or flight would kick in so that we can save ourselves. The same thing happens with emotional stress. And because of the society in which we live, where the pressures are constant, we are constantly under work pressure. We are now more connected than ever with, because of technology, but that gives us that, that doesn't give us as much of an opportunity to disconnect in, in a meaningful way, too, because, because solitude is good, too. That doesn't imply disconnection. It, it, solitude is very important for establishing 
self-love because it is the comfort to be in your own mind and your own body. Um, and so when we are constantly triggering this stress response in our body like this, that's just not a sustainable way to live. And, um, you know, it, to, to, to address this notion of, of judgment versus compassion, which interestingly, many people might say, you know, I'm just, I'm not a judgmental person, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open-minded and, um, but you, I, I recently hosted a retreat for women and I had them do a judgment exercise and I asked them to really think, I mean, I asked them, I think they spent, you know, about 15 minutes first to make a list of what they judge in others and then making a list of what they judged in themselves. And it was really interesting because you could you can see how what they judge in others is mirrored in what they judge in themselves. So they, you know, one of the women was saying that she judges others who, who talk a lot, who have all, you know, have, who have all the answers, who, which I have been accused of that before being, being too talkative, but you know, I don't see that as, as something wrong. Um, but her perception of somebody who feels, you know, maybe that they have something to contribute and will speak up is that that person comes across as a know-it-all. What she judges in herself is her inability to express herself. And it's really interesting when you see that really what people are judging in themselves is mirrored in how they judge other people. And if somebody really wants to take a long, hard look at how to love themselves better, they should start really making a conscious effort to become aware of what they are judging in others because they will be able to see in that judgment that within themselves where they do not feel whole or complete. And that is where healing begins, is just the awareness of the things within yourself where you don't feel whole or complete. I think that's really going to help the listeners. Thank you for for sharing that because that's – that's a, a really uh, different way of looking at all of this. And we've talked on, the, on this show in the past about the importance. Like I did a show on healing. We did a, a show on forgiveness and resentment. And I talked about the Harvard University study about how people need quiet to feed the brain. The brain feeds on that, to, you know, have that solitude to actually be able to think and be uh, self-reflective. That will help a lot of this and, and move a lot of that forward. And it's also, you know, a steps, you know, that we could take collectively. And I'm interested to what you think those are, you know, this, what steps we could take collectively as a society to move towards a, uh, a lens of self-forgiveness. You know, there's so many things, you know, people that are really connected uh, spiritually to, to something have a hard time with this. And you would think that they wouldn't. Uh, you know, I've struggled with it myself. I shared on the show a, a couple episodes ago, we were talking about stress and its effect on uh, high school students and families. You know, it's some things that have gone on in my own life. And, and, you know, somebody said to me, well, you have to, it starts with you, you have to forgive yourself for some of these things. And it was like my aha moment. I was like, oh, wow, I, sh- I should have known that. I should have thought of that. So how do we do that? How do we take steps to, to move towards that self-forgiveness as, as a collective? Um, mindfulness is very important. Being able to be present in a moment, mindfulness, meditation, um, those are practices that, you know, uh, 
meditation is very scary to some people because they think that meditation means I'm going to sit here and then, you know, if I'm a good meditator, then I'm going to transcend into some enlightened state. And that's not what meditation is. And that is not what meditation is for most individuals, except for the most enlightened ascended masters. Meditation is really the ability to sit in stillness with your thoughts and to not judge them. And um, it is, and, and, and it is absolutely a practice. It is something that is difficult to understand until you have tried it and it can be very uncomfortable because many people you know my husband cannot sit in stillness he cannot relax we go on vacation he has to be doing something he just can't sit still Um, many people experience that we are we live in a fast-paced on-the-go society where we are expected to be productive and so sitting down with our thoughts can be very scary And meditation is really the practice of being able to sit in stillness with our thoughts without judging them, just noticing what what arises and then letting it go. That's uh, very true. You know, I I have a similar experience, but with prayer. So you have to build that muscle almost, as they say, so that you can uh, uh, sit in solitary prayer for an hour or an hour plus. You have to build yourself to that point. You know, uh, it's a definite practice to be able to sit there and to do uh, maybe a specific, you know, so, some people call it a holy hour that consists of different prayers, tra- you know, traditional prayers to my faith. Um, and I've done that. And it's uh, really comforting to be able to, to take that time and just block out all the other distractions. Uh, some people say they do it in the morning, let's say, with a prayer like the Holy Rosary. Uh, they'll do it with the Divine Mercy Chaplet or uh, the Stations of the Cross, or one of those prayers that are traditional in my faith, in, in conjunction with some other prayers, you can really spend some time in quiet meditation and and pray on those prayers and really meditate on them and listen and try to, to get in touch with everything that you're, your purpose, what you're supposed to be doing, you know, from moment to moment in, in that day, you know, living in the present as we talk about in coaching is so important. And it really helped me to center myself and to live in the present. And I think that's so important for people to get to that point through whatever practice gets them there, uh, through prayer, uh, through some kind of spiritual connection to do that. Uh, and it's really important it's so that they understand that it's normal if it's uncomfortable and to not judge themselves. Yes. You know, it's, if they, if they quote-unquote are not doing it right. Um, in her book, When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron, she, she calls that feeling the hot loneliness, and she says, so even if the hot loneliness is there, and for 1.6 seconds we sit with that restlessness, when yesterday we couldn't sit for even one, that's the journey of the warrior. Yeah, that is. It's, it is a journey. I would say that it's, it's a faith journey. It's a, it's a discipline. It's just like going to the gym. That's a good analogy. It's like, okay, when you go to the gym, if you haven't been in four or five years, you're not going to be able to, you know, do 50 minutes on the elliptical and not be sore the next day. It's just not happening. You know, you're, you're, you're a human being. You have muscles. You, you have uh you're going to be sore. You're going to be feeling it the next day. If you're going every day, you're going to be able to keep ramping it up and ramping it up and ramping it up to the point where yeah. 
You know, you're like, oh, yeah. wow, this is easy. Now, remember when I used to only be able to do five reps and now I can do 25? It's a good analogy. You know, you're, you're building that, that muscle to be able to do that. And that will get you to the point where you could actually think about some of these things that we've pushed into the corners, you know, and, and let the cobwebs grow and clean them off, dust them off, and look at them and really say, okay, it's time for me to move on. It's time to be yeah. to say and, to myself, okay, it's okay. And I, and I know that yep. you know this, you know, in the coaching world, we talk a lot about, you know, kind of that cliche term, like living your best life. And, you know, what living your best life really means is that you recognize that your entire life is a practice. There is no arriving in life. There is only taking the journey and choosing to show up for yourself in every moment as authentically as and wholeheartedly as possible. That's what living your, your best life is really about. That's it. Some people think it's, oh, you, you're going to go on vacation five or six times. You're going to go on a roller coaster or Walt Disney World. That's not it. That can be part of it if that's, you know, part of, of what you want it, you seek to do. But, you know, that's you're missing the, the, the deeper meaning uh, that Amy just pointed out. It's a good segue to the next question. What is the role of coaching? Because I always try and get there on this show because we are Life Coach Radio Network. And there's topics that are kind of loosely related to coaching. And I always try and circle it back. Uh, what is the role of coaching here in helping people move towards that commitment to self-love, to balance, to fulfillment? The most important role that a coach plays in stewarding um, their clients in that process of self-love is really holding that space for them, allowing them to be vulnerable, listening, asking the questions that the hard questions, the necessary questions to move somebody to action that they might be too afraid to ask themselves. And when a person, as you know, to, to kind of come full circle from where we were before, when a person feels heard and validated, then they can exhale. They unclench a bit. And that is what we as coaches do. We allow people to kind of exhale and say, okay, you know, I don't, I feel validated. I know that what I'm feeling is that I can honor these feelings and I don't need to be ashamed of them. And now I can, now that I've let go of the guilt and the anger and, you know, the, the need to be perfect, I can be me. And, and what does that look like? Yes. I know a couple of people that have suffered with addiction, uh, no, more than a few people, and some of them are di at different points still on that journey. Uh, there's one person in particular that I knew after, not during the addiction, uh, uh, the years that, that this person was struggling with that. It was uh, after that point, after the, the person's recovery. And that person will say to me, you know, quite often, you know, you wouldn't like the person that I was you know, when I was wrestling, when I was addicted, you know, but the thing was, you know, this person said to me, I wasn't connected to anyone when I was addicted. It was all about me and it was all about getting high essentially. And well, I was and, disconnected and, and truthfully, they weren't connected to themselves either. Right, right. Exactly. 
They're, they're, that's a very good point. They really weren't. And I said to her, you know, you, you weren't you weren't connected to yourself because the person that I know is so much different than the person that you described, you know, when you were in that stage of, of your life. It's really interesting, you know, when you, when you think about the, the power of addiction and the power of that, how destructive that is to self-love and to self-forgiveness, certainly. And how this person well, because it's a numbing so agent, and when, when we're addicted, yeah. we're numbing the parts of us that hurt, which means that we're disowning that part of us. And if we're disowning a part of ourselves, then, you know, like I said before, then we're rejecting ourselves. And we can't love ourselves and reject ourselves at the same time. And yeah, this person now goes around and, and does uh, talks uh, to different groups, you know, at schools and community centers. Uh, through different groups to share the story to help people, which I think is really so incredible, like to own it and to talk about, you know, this is what I did. And that's the power of vulnerability right there, right? Like to be able to be vulnerable. So in order to forge connection. Yep. Think about the, how vulnerable you have to get to that place, you know, to share that. And, And this person does that on a regular basis because of that, uh, power that she took back. You yeah, know, that's extremely courageous. That. And it really is, really is. I give her a lot of props for that. Um, what effect, if any, does gender have on self-love? And what effect, if any, do cultural views have on self-love? We touched on a little bit. I talked about the Latino culture earlier. That's mm-hmm. kind of where I'm going there. But well, that could be a whole other episode, on? but what I will say is that, you know, the, the cultural norms um, and expectations, those are, you know, those are kind of the rules by which we're forced to play in, in life. And we, we are um, socialized differently as men and we're socialized differently as women as to what it means to be a man or what it means to be a woman. And we are then expected to live up to those, you know, to, to those standards. And when we are living by other people's standards, we are not in touch with what it is that we want and what, you know, what we want from ourselves because we're so focused on, again, that checkbox, like, well, this is what's expected of me, and if I do this, then, then I'll be happy. But what ends up happening is we do all of those things and we feel more disconnected from ourselves than ever because we lived up to what society told us to do, what, you know, all of the rules that govern society take over and we step into that box, which, which limits us. And we're, you know, we're limitless beings, but when we, we are living by cultural societal norms, we are living within the confines of other people's expectations, not what's within our own heart. And we do, we start looking at it through that lens, that lens of perception that, you know, other people's expectations or society's and because that's where the fear comes in, because that's where we fear yeah. rejection, because we fear that if we don't live up to those expectations, then we'll be, re- be rejected. We won't receive the love that we so, you know, that we so naturally want, because love is, is what we are. It's where we came from. And when we become disconnected yeah. from that love because of fear, then, you know, that's where, that's where suffering enters in. 
I, I had a friend back several years ago that, you know, came home and said to his parents, hey, you know, mom and dad, I'm, I'm dropping out of college to become a professional baseball player. And he was, he was very gifted at baseball. He was uh, at college on a scholarship. And he got drafted by a team. And his parents were like, hey, look, I don't know if that's such a great way to go. Can you imagine you come home if you didn't have that talent? In both cases, there was the same kind of reaction. Hey, mom and dad, I'm dropping out of college because I want to play for the Yankees. They're like, yeah, sure. You know, so that that fear of, of putting that out there, you know, and then some people I know have put that out there. And then what happened, this person got injured and his career was over and, you know, then had to go back to school and, you know, mm-hmm. try and, and you know, put together a whole other, you know, walk for himself. But I always gave him props for trying, you know, for, for coming to that and saying, you know, this is what I want to do. This is this is where I think my path is taking me. Um, and he had the courage to say that where people thought he was nuts. They're like, you're on, on a, a scholarship, you know, you have a, a free ride to college and you left to, to play baseball full time. So some people didn't really understand that. And I was like, wow, that's really cool that, you know, that person had the courage to do that and really, you know, own what they thought that they wanted to do. Um, so it's, it can be, I think, you know, gender can be a whole other show and how the effects that that has, but you raised some really interesting points, you know, uh, about that too, about this linear thinking through life. And that we think of, and that was really hit home with Kate Spade yesterday, but also, you know, Chester Bennington and uh, Chris Cornell, the guy from Soundgarden, and, you know, even way back in the day with Kurt Cobain and Nirvana, you know, like when those things happened about, you know, a year or two ago with through the music community, you know, some people that I know were like, wow, you know, so-and-so was at the top of their game. They had everything. They were on tour, you know. Uh, playing in front of crowds and they killed themselves, you know? So it's like, it goes to show you how those things are, are not what fulfills. And, and it really brings to new light what you're trying to do with your practice and, and with what I'm trying to do with this show. And yeah. people have to live in harmony together, you know, and, yeah. they have and to it's live why in we call it together. inner peace, right? It's yes, inner peace because it it's something that's yourself. within us, not that we are going to achieve from things that are outside of us. And that's what forges connections, mm-hmm. you know, that inner peace that we can all have and then share with one another. Exactly. That's a really, really interesting way to put it and a very valid way to put it. Uh, so we're at our point of our show now. I know we're a couple minutes over, but we had a great conversation. I was keeping it rolling. Uh, so we go to the last segment of our show, which was the common ground segment. And this is where we try to provide uh, those out there listening who may feel one way or the other about the topic, tonight's topic, of course, is loving yourself or self-love, um, to try and provide them with some concrete first steps towards moving towards that. So how do we find or how can we find common ground to provide those who are just trying to keep their head above water, quote-unquote, provide for their families, those who are living lives with their compassion removed from it, those who are maybe stuck with old wounds, or those who are busy being caregivers to others on a constant basis. How do we help all these people? I gave you some real big examples of what people might be struggling with to find an understanding of the value of self-love and the benefits of finding that balance will provide to their quality of life. So um, as we said earlier, you know, 
allowing yourself to be honest and leaning into the parts of yourself that feel uncomfortable, the parts of you that you struggle with, um, and not running from them, and then finding people who you trust to connect with and to allow yourself to be heard. So whether that be a coach, a therapist, a best friend, um, a, you know, a, a spiritual advisor, a religious leader, somebody who will hold space for you to, so that you can allow yourself to be heard um, and allow yourself, you know, for somebody to hold space for you so that you can be honest and say out loud the things that you struggle with. That is so important because when we speak, uh, you know, again, shame cannot survive being shared and, and um, empathized with. That is, you know, the, the antidote to shame is empathy. So, and shame is, is really a huge block for, for self-love. You know, the, the, that, again, that self-rejection, that judgment, that guilt, all of those, all of those fear-based words that, that I've been sprinkling throughout this, this um, episode. And, um, you know, really allowing yourself to do that. And again, you know, what I said before, this, this notion of observing your judgments is so important because it may not be that you feel like you're necessarily, you know, suffering in life, but you may feel that there are areas of your life where you're struggling or, or where you felt where you feel held back. And if you can observe your judgments and understand you know, understand where that is coming from so that you can kind of identify what that wound is that, that you live with, where that pain is coming from, what triggers that pain. Um, that, that is a huge step t- towards healing. And that is where you can then start to have some very open conversations with people who you trust that can hold space for you, that can allow you to express and share that this is something that you struggle with. These are areas where you feel stuck. And meditation, of course. I'm a big fan of meditation (laughs) because, again, the ability to sit in comfort with yourself in stillness is a huge, huge stepping stone towards self-love because when you sit in meditation and you can observe those thoughts, you remove that judgment. And again, like I said before, the opposite of judgment is is compassion. So if you can sit in compassion with yourself, then you're well on your way to you know healing the parts of of yourself that are feeling that you you know like that you don't love. Yes, you know someone had said that to me in 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 a, a spiritual faith based meeting that I was in. You know, you know, this is how how Jesus lived his life was full of mercy and compassion for people. He wants that for you. He wants you to live in compassion with yourself, to love yourself and to love others across your path and be merciful to them. You know, he, he, he always says, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. You know, he was ostracized for, you know, by the, the religious leaders of the time for, you know, eating and dining and hanging out with sinful people. And, and as the scripture verse famously goes, you know, when you're sick, you know, or when you're well, do you need a doctor? I'm here for the sick. You know, the doctor is in, so to speak. And uh, to love each other enough to really accept one another, accept each other for our failures and for the things that we, 
you know, struggle with and to help each other up when we fall. I mean, it's so much a part of, you know, the best friendships that I have in my life and my marriage, of course, are all about that. You know, our, our failures don't define us. I think, you know, society wants to drill that into our brain. You know, our failures don't define us. It's how we show love and, and love. Absolutely. And to use, to, to um, add on to your, you know, example of Jesus, um, Marianne Williamson, who wrote A Return to Love, who is one of the, the foremost teachers of A Course in Miracles, she said that the meaning of Good Friday is every pain that you've ever experienced and that the meaning of Easter is the way that love has healed your heart and always will, which to me is just such a beautiful notion that really when we're looking at you know, the death of Jesus Christ, that that is you know, symbolic of the pain um, and then the meaning of Easter is, you know, the resurrection, it is the rising from pain, rising from pain because love has uplifted you. So there's a famous quote from a Christian band, and thank you so much for sharing. That was a beautiful quote, a beautiful sentiment. There was a similar thing from a, a Christian band uh, that said, you know, why do we call it Good Friday? Because you know, the worst possible thing happened to the greatest person, the the God-made man. So why do we call it Good Friday? Because we know what happened on Sunday. And that's that's a similar quote to what you just gave. It's, we know what happened on Sunday. So it makes yeah. all that pain, all that suffering worth it to to rise again and yeah. to live union with him. Each yeah, and it's, there. you know, uh, uh, many of the um, major religions use, have, have, simil- have similar symbolism in terms of, you know, the notion of first the pain and then the rising. You know, in Buddhism, the, the, lot- the lotus flower is a big symbol because a lotus flower has to grow through mud to realize the fullest expression of its beauty. And that has always been such beautiful symbolism to me as well, because a lotus, a lotus flower can only grow in mud, but and therefore you cannot witness the beauty of the lotus without observing the mud. I remember that from my study of Buddhism as well, which has a lot of very similar tenets. So I did a show on the commonalities in religion around Christmas time and the holidays and how. We have so many similar uh, pillars and tenets to the religions, and that's that's one of them that I actually remember from my my study of Buddhism and you know throughout my educational formation and uh, uh, studying different different world religions, and and I was thinking, wow, we have a lot in common. And society keeps telling me that I'm so different from people that have different beliefs, and I don't think so. You know, right? So and that's and that's fear-based that. thinking too, right? That the notion that we're all separate yeah. when really all of the enlightened masters, if you look at Jesus, if you look at Muhammad, if you look at Buddha, um, and any of the other, you know, major world religions, the commonality is love, compassion, forgiveness, charity. Those are all, yep. you know, that's all about creation and growth. That's right. We're more alike than we are unalike, as, as I like to say. And uh, thank you so much, Amy, for coming on. Uh, it's been a really powerful conversation. Uh, thank you for going to a place with me that most people don't want to go. Uh, thank you for being so courageous and taking this on. And and I think our listeners, I've heard from some of them by email and text, 
just in saying that they really connected with tonight's show, that it really helped them with, you know, where they are in their lives. And that is, you know, why I do this. And this is why I have people like you on. So I really appreciate that. I want you to tell us, uh, you know, before I let you go, uh, just uh, spend a couple minutes letting us know about Love Your Love Myself Revolution. Uh, what's going on at L- LMR? Do you have something upcoming, uh, big event, or uh, any anything you want to put out there, contact information? So my website is www.lovemyselfrevolution.com, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram with the same name. Um, I right now my my speaking engagement calendar is a little bit um, free because I'm moving. Um, but in August, I'm going to be speaking at a women's center in New Jersey, and I will be sharing that information on my social media. Um, and so I will be doing a, a, a talk on, on this topic as well, on, on loving yourself. So that is coming up in August. Um, Excellent. Excellent, yes. If you want to go check out, if you're in New Jersey or in the greater uh, New York metropolitan area, everything is a train ride away, basically. Uh, hop on the train and uh, or hop on the car and go up there, uh, take a look at Amy's site for further details on that, and head over there in August to check that out. Um, it's been wonderful having you on. You're so, it's so intelligent, it's so perceptive, and uh, so great to have as a guest. You're really, really um, uh, thorough with the responses and to the questions that I provided in our chats prior to tonight's show really given me a lot to think about myself and in my own journey. So for that, I'm blessed and I'm really appreciative. So thank you very much for, for your time tonight, for coming on the show. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful to you for this opportunity to have this conversation and to serve your listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to uh, do a couple of show promotions here. I'm going to wrap up the uh, show in a moment. Uh, Brenda Baird comes your way. 7 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday, June the 11th. Brenda Baird, you remember she was on the show. We talked about uh, the barriers to the executive suite uh, and how gender played a role in that. Brenda Baird's show, all about women in leadership roles and in leadership in general, depending on what uh, episode you drop in on. That's 7 p.m. Central Time, Tuesday, June the 11th. That's on Life Coach Radio Network. And then Holy Shift. That's holy, S-H-I-F-T, holy shift, like you're shifting a car. They talk about shifts in energy. That's Barb Heenan and Leslie's show. That is Wednesday, June the 20th, their next episode. That airs at 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern time. So, again, holy shift. It talks about energy shifts. Uh, Barb Heenan, who was my uh, Module 1 instructor at IPEC, uh, Barb Heenan and Leslie, 8 p.m., Central, or I'm sorry, 8 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern, Wednesday, June the 20th. That's also on Life Coach Radio Network. And that's a good segue to my next show, June the 20th, two weeks from tonight, live, 7 p.m. Pam Winholtz will join me. The Cultural Divide. Pam has traveled to several countries, has hosted exchange students, has met people of all faiths, colors, creeds, identities, uh, all different socioeconomic brackets. Uh, It's going to be an interesting show on culture. So I leave you tonight with self-love. 
at the end of the day, as we talk about your know, religion and spirituality, your know, faith, hope, and love are three things that God gave to us. The greatest of those is love. All you need is love. Love is imperative. It's all that you need to connect to others and to live a truly fulfilled life, a truly a life that is undivided. My thanks to Russ Terry, to Trina Ramsey, to Danica Treble, and for everyone at Life Coach Radio Network for this opportunity to bring you this show. I'm Frank J. Maduri. I'll be back with you guys. This has been Undivided Episode 23. Thank you to Audible.com, our sponsor. This has been Episode 23. I'll see you guys again on Wednesday the 20th with Pam Winholtz, live at 7 p.m. And until then, as always, be blessed and be well. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.